how I would love this thing to work over these five days. I would love us to really develop a bit of a uh, sort of culture together, traveling together on this subject. What, what I've found important, um, I've been preaching now um, probably for about 20 years. And um, one of the things I've, I've, I've come to realize over the years is that very often when a preacher says something, people in the room can hear a number of different things. Because there will be people are used to hearing different words in different ways or um, understanding different phrases in different ways. And so I think now we're in a kind of a seminar setting. It's smaller than the big tent. It's a really good place to ask questions. You may have questions about some of the things you saw and heard last night. You can ask them here. I'm hoping you'll have questions about the things that I say as I teach. and You can ask them here. There's some temptations that tend to, tend to happen in this kind of setting where people think, I'm not going to ask that question because it's stupid. The amount of times people have said to me, it's probably a really stupid question, but... And then they've asked it, and I've literally said to them, what they've done, because they've been so convinced it's a stupid question, they've waited till everyone's gone, and then they've asked me. And as they've asked it, I've been like, that was the question that everyone needed to hear. Well, everyone needed to hear the answer to your question. But because you were kind of under this idea that it was stupid, you just kind of held back. Now I'm sure that our confidence together and boldness will grow as the days go on but I want to ask if we'll get off to a good start um, and asking questions. It's going to be a free for all, it's not texting it's just hands up in the air, if I see your hand first I'll call you and, and just ask it and, and we'll do our best to help as, as best as we can. And so basically it will be something like this uh, uh, 10 or so minutes of teaching Q&A 10 or so minutes of teaching Q&A and then we're going to just have a, have a time to respond in some way to what's been taught. Okay? So it'll probably will, you'll be listening to less talking than you would on the average seminar. Um, but hopefully the content will be good and it will provoke and stimulate and equip and instruct you uh, so that you can um, really uh, grow closer with the Holy Spirit. So I want to say a few things by introduction. First of all, so the centrality of the Holy Spirit. Basically, I'm going to say something which is a little bit simpler than it actually is, and it's actually a little bit more mysterious than this, but it's fundamentally true, and it's this, that the Father is seated in heaven on a throne. His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is seated at his right hand in heaven. The Father and the Son have sent the Holy Spirit to the earth, that between the time of Jesus' ascension to the throne and Jesus' return, at a date we don't know when, the Holy Spirit is on the earth representing God, bringing to us the presence of the Father and the presence of the Son. So if you want to know the Father, you need to know the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who will communicate to you the reality of the presence of the Father. If you want to know Jesus, you need to know the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals Jesus to us. You can't really know who Jesus is except by the Holy Spirit revealing him into your heart. And so I wouldn't want you to see the Holy Spirit as an extra thing, like a bonus. Or like just kind of like, well, I'm really, I, I understand God the Father and, and I understand Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, that just kind of feels like that's the weird stuff. Or that's marginal. Or that's only for certain Christians who like that kind of thing no 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 Jesus himself said we heard it last night it's better that I go because then when I go I will send the spirit now the reason why Jesus said it's better is because when Jesus was here on earth he was located in a physical body could only be in one place at one time whereas the spirit brings the presence of Jesus to indwell individual hearts all at the same time across the whole planet so having the Holy Spirit in you learning to walk with him and know him is basically the same thing as walking with Jesus but it's walking with Jesus while Jesus is enthroned in heaven because he's poured out his spirit. Does that make sense? <laughs> it wasn't the yes, Steph thing. It's just there's like hundreds of you in the room and I heard about, I saw some nods and heard two yeses. So are you alive? Yes. Are you awake? Yes. Okay, a little bit, a little bit less of you awake, but you're alive. Okay, uh, and did that make sense? Right, so the Holy Spirit is central. It's not, he's not like an extra. Okay? So it's really important that we understand the Holy Spirit. The second thing I want to say by way of introduction is that the reason why we can know the Holy Spirit in this way, there's just one reason, and it's because everything that Jesus did for us. So the Bible makes it really, really clear that Jesus, it uses terms like Jesus made a way. Or, 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 or Jesus, uh, the, 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 the curtain in the temple was torn into, or Jesus brought down the wall. And the whole idea is this. 
is that because of sin, the bad things that Adam and Eve did, their disobedience, and because of our own sin, there is a wall between us and God. And Jesus is the only man to have ever lived who has not had that wall between him and God, who was perfect and sinless. And because he lived his perfect, sinless, righteous life on our behalf, and then died that terrible death on the cross on our behalf, taking in his body our sins, and then rose from the dead on our behalf, he has done all those things. And it's basically blasted the way back to God. So God, through his son, Jesus, who is also God, has made a way for human beings to come back to God. And now the Holy Spirit, who is also God, makes the reality of what Jesus and the Father have done for us real in our hearts and in our lives. Now, the reason why that's so important is people can get a bit funny around the Holy Spirit and just say, do you know what? I'm sure the Holy Spirit will fill that person. And I'm sure the Holy Spirit is interested in that person. But me, it's just not, it's not happening. <laughs> Anyone ever thought anything like that? It's not like that. Listen, the Bible is really, really clear that it's God's desire to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And actually, it actually it's actually quite explicit in saying that it's, it's young and old. Let me tell you about something. I, I've realized this. This is, this is going to make you laugh, maybe. For years, I thought I'm too young. Not recently, but for years... I thought, I'm just, I'm too young, I'm too young, disqualified. And then one day I woke up and do you know what I thought? I'm too old. <laughs> I passed it. I thought, hold on a minute, when, where was my sweet spot? It was, I was too young and now I'm too old. And I realized that the whole thing is a nonsense. It's, it's a deceptive mentality. That's why Paul says to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, um, but be an example. So actually, you know, you, it's not about whether you're young or whether you're old. The Holy Spirit wants to feel young and old. It's not about whether you're male or whether you're female. Um, the the Bible is really explicitly clear that God wants to pray his spirit on men and women. It's not about whether you, you, you've got the right sort of background. You know, the right sort of background, you know, a Christian background or pastor's kid or ex-drug dealer. You know, it could be people view all kinds of backgrounds as the right background for Holy Spirit power. There is no right or wrong background because it's Jesus that impresses the Father and Jesus has made the way for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on all flesh. So whatever you do, don't be sitting there disqualifying yourself, thinking, Holy Spirit's not interested in me. Because then you'll find the whole thing, it'll just go over your head. It will just go, you'll let it go by, then you'll go and have lunch. Because the whole time you're thinking in your heart, do you know what? It's not happening. It is happening. It is happening. God has said, and he's faithful, and he wants to pour out his spirit on you. Okay? So these, these are the two big foundations I wanted to start with. The Holy Spirit is essential and central. And the Holy Spirit comes because Jesus has made a way. He's the qualifying factor. Okay? It's not your performance, it's the Holy it's Jesus. Does that make sense? This is good, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's real good. So I'm gonna just keep going even though you guys don't sound too enthusiastic right now. Okay, so first teaching point um, coming up uh, and then we'll do some Q and A. The first teaching point is just is that the Holy Spirit is holy. Um, I'm gonna just unpack what that means. Um, what does the word holy mean? Well I guess uh, we sort of say things like different Holy Spirit. It means that the ho- ho- if something's holy, it's kind of different. That's kind of you, you, we're starting on the right tracks, but it's actually more than that. Um, maybe the next the next stage to help to be helpful to talk about it would be I'll use an illustration, which I'm a little bit um, well. You might be surprised, but I, I live quite close to the centre of London, but I actually quite enjoy watching uh, Country File, um, which may surprise you. Anyone seen Country File? Is it cool? No, and. Uh, but uh, it's not cool, but when you're 42, you haven't got to be cool anymore. So it's great. Um, and you can watch what you really want to watch. Um, but uh, on Country File, there was a cherry competition. Now, cherries are my favorite fruit. And uh, it was the best cherries in Kent was the, was the idea. And, and here's what happened. Once they decided on the winning cherries, they then got all these cherries together and they picked uh, out of those cherries the best. And they made a punnet of cherries. Guess who for? The queen. The queen. So then the best cherries of the best were taken out from the rest of the pile and they were set apart for the queen and taken to her. It's quite a good image of what holiness means. Holiness means you've got like a, a load of something, but you take, you take something out of that and you set it apart for special purpose. You set it apart and it's now set apart for special 
use. The Bible uses illustrations like of like clay. You want to build a, you want to make a, like a vessel, like a jug or something. And so you, you, you want to find the best bit. So this bit's a bit blemished or a bit hard or a bit dry. Oh, this is the best bit of clay. We'll take this bit of clay. We're going to set it apart for special, for special use. That's a good picture of holiness. But even then, it doesn't quite sum it up when we're talking about the Holy Spirit or God in, in the sense that when you read in the Bible, which I'm going to read in a moment, when people meet God, they don't tend to simply say, wow, he's different, or he seems set apart. <laughs> they say things like, I'm undone. It's, it's a total, it's, I, people begin to unravel. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you feel that you're unraveling. It's like you just face something so immense, so extraordinary. You just think, I'm coming apart at the seams. I want to read to you um, from the book of Isaiah. Um, Now, you've got to remember, this is quite an extraordinary story because Isaiah, when this happened, was a prophet, which means that his mouth, if you like, uh, he was a mouthpiece for God, which means, in a sense, his speech was already holy. He was already set apart for God's special purpose. So it's, read, when you read this, notice, notice what happens. It says, uh, in the year that, this is Isaiah 6, I'm going to read the first seven verses. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the, the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim, and that word means flaming ones. So they're like these creatures, but they're made of fire. Each had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one called to another and said, Holy, 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 three times. Um, You know, we say things like, uh, that's really special. In Hebrews, they would say, that's special, special. Right? So when something said three times, it's like, man. So these burning, flaming creatures who are terrifying in and of themselves, they are, well, they're not looking on because they're too scared to look on, so they're covering their eyes uh, with their wings. But they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So these are, these are holy beings. These are beings who have been set apart for special purpose. And they can't look at God. They cover their eyes. And all they can cry out is holy, holy, holy. And we read a similar picture in the book of Revelation, and it seems that it just goes on 24-7. They are constantly amazed, constantly overwhelmed with what they see. This is God. Holy, holy, holy. Now listen. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke like a cloud of glory. And I said, this is the prophet, I said, woe is me. So he's not going, wow, this is amazing. He says, woe is me. I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. He's a prophet. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the middle of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from tong- with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. But look at his response. He sees God and his holiness and he says, I'm ruined. And he suddenly realizes my speech is unclean. The things I say, even as a prophet, when I'm faced with this holiness, I, and I, my words are not suitable. And not only that, I'm suddenly aware that I am part of a community of people. The way we talk, it's just awful. What's happened is this. He's so faced with the holiness of God. Everything's changed. Everything has changed. Suddenly what seemed okay and fine and no problem, it's like, no, it's unclean. And maybe other things that you thought you know, weren't, weren't very spectacular, <gasps> you think they're amazing. Why? Because his perspective has been completely revolutionized by the holiness of God. God is holy. The Holy Spirit is holy. Questions? Real questions as well. Don't, don't, try and, don't set me up for theological traps, right? Real questions that you're really wrestling with, really battling with, that you, that you are relevant to what you either heard tonight or the holiness of the Holy Spirit or the centrality of the Holy Spirit or Jesus' work making a way for the Holy Spirit. Anything you've heard so far, let's do it. Hello. Yes. 
So if you're saying this young lady here said that sometimes she feels distance from the Holy Spirit and doesn't know how to get back to that place of closeness. So the fact you're saying that shows that you have known what it is to be close to the Holy Spirit. So this is a really important point here because some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, I've never even known what it is to be close to the Holy Spirit. At least she's known that. Okay, so what I'm going to try and do is just help you for a moment. I think that you're absolutely right. Like in any relationship, there can be things that go on or things that happen that make the relationship suddenly seem like it's not how it was. And sometimes that's because of something we have done. It could be because we've deliberately rebelled against the Lord or we've, we've done something you know, that has just broken his heart and, and we haven't wanted to come and say sorry or repent. Other times we have said sorry and repented but we've not allowed his forgiveness. To, we're still punishing ourselves. Sometimes it's just a season. You know, you're just, you're just a bit low. You're just a bit, it's just a bit of a dry spiritual season or even emotional season and you can read too much into it. So my main answer to your question is this. You need good people around you who are at least 10 years older than you in the Lord who can really help you in those seasons to work out what it is. And one of my observations is, is that people are very happy going to their peers for advice, very happy going to those who are at a similar stage of maturity to them. And I don't think that's wrong, but if you do not have people in your life that are significantly more mature than you, then the only advice you're getting is at the same level of maturity you have which means you're missing out on huge wisdom. So I would say one of the areas where your generation is not being helped is that older people have been kind of um, uh, portrayed in, in, in ways that's not very honoring, whereas the Bible, when it speaks about older people, actually speaks in really honoring ways. So I would encourage you, have people in your life that are wiser, more mature, that can help you discern what's going on in those seasons. But praise God, you have known what it is to be close to the Holy Spirit. That's a wonderful thing. Any other questions? Yes. Brilliant question. Why is it that some people really seem to find it easy to receive the Holy Spirit, others not? Why is it some people just really instant, others takes a long time? I want to say a few things on that. Firstly, I want to say that I think, and please help me on this, guys, if you've got things said. I would say I think sometimes we have a very set idea of what it is to receive the Holy Spirit. A very, very narrow view. It means to either cry or to shake or to do this thing. And I think actually that Holy Spirit wants to uh, encounter us in a real richness of ways. And sometimes we almost have such a narrow view in our mind that we miss what God is doing. I think it's important to understand that. Don't fall into these kind of caricatures of what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible actually if it is very silent on what it actually looks like being filled with the Holy Spirit. It says a lot about the results of being filled with the Holy Spirit, but what it actually looks like being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't say too much. So that's one thing. The other thing I would say is this. I don't treat my children all the same. I love them the same, but I don't treat them the same. Why? Because they're totally different. They're completely different. And the glory of this Christian life, or one of them, one of the glories, is that we're actually his children. And he actually deals with us as his children. And so even though you might be in a tent and there's 7,000 and you would assume, God, just be practical. Do it like a bang. Just, just do like a, just drop on every, I mean, come on, Lord, just be practical. God's like, no, these are my children. I know what they're, I know this one needs encouragement. This one needs a bit of a talking to. <laughs> this one just really needs to know my love, my comfort right now. This one needs power because they are up against some serious challenges. And so I do think, actually, it's part of the glory of who God is that he deals with us differently. And I also think this, God often, God respects the way he's made us. He respects our temperaments. Now, that's not to say that he doesn't always, he, he can't overrule and just deal with us how he pleases. He can. But very often he will work in ways that are very in line with kind of who we are. And so some people are dramatic. Anyone in the room a dramatic person? Right. Okay. It's probably quite likely that there will be some dramatic moments in God. And it's actually in many ways more a reflection of your temperament than anything. It's not that it's not God, but it's that God often works in very natural ways. Any of you here very undramatic? <laughs> it's not that be ashamed of. <laughs> it's not right or wrong. It's different temperaments. And I just think we've got to relax about who we are and just uh, not get work. Because I think the trap we fall into is, if I could be more like that person, I'd meet the Holy Spirit. Is that familiar to anyone's mind? If I could just be more like them, oh no, don't do that. I mean, obviously imitate godliness in people. That's a good thing. But don't fall into that thing of, you know, somehow I've got to be more like them. It's a dead end. Any other questions? Is that help? Cool. It would be hard for you to say no publicly, wouldn't it? So I, I understand. Any, any other questions? Yeah. 
This is a great question. I wish I could uh, uh, repeat it as brilliantly as you've just put it. Um, sometimes if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you kind of feel like he's telling you to do certain things. Um, but sometimes you don't know if it's him, really. Sometimes you don't want to do them. And it can become a bit of a nightmare. Um, I, I, I will say this. Fundamentally, I think the, what, what the Bible emphasizes about being filled with the Holy Spirit are things like this. Being filled with the Holy Spirit looks like thankfulness. It looks like love. It looks like joy. It looks like peace. It looks like more and more patience. It looks like gentleness. It looks like faithfulness. It looks like kindness, goodness, and self-control. Also, there are particular gifts the Holy Spirit gives whereby you just find, wow, I'm just really good at this thing. And it really helps and serves other people. That is what the Bible emphasizes about being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible doesn't, I wouldn't say the Bible emphasizes that you're, you're, you're you know, what, what, what socks do I, wear, do I wear today, Lord? You know, and you get in a dilemma. He said blue, but I want red. I'll, I'll wear one of each. You know, that, 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 can, that can lead to a really intense weirdness. And some people are more prone to that than others. And I'm one of them. That's why I'm happy saying it. I am more prone to that. And I've had to walk through that over the years and, and, and learn to discern. You know, some people are just more prone to, to voices. It sounds like I'm a nutter, doesn't it? Um, but uh, not actual voices, but just kind of like impressions and inclinations. And, and you don't, the last thing you want to do is grieve God, do you? So you say, oh, really, I want to do that. I mean, I got into a really weird thing on picking up litter. It got really weird. And I had to just, in the end, I had to just stop the whole thing. So this has gone strange. I'm just being really honest with you here. This was about, I don't know how many years ago now, about one. No, uh, it was, but it got, it got, and it, it started off as a good thing. So here's why. Let me give you a bit of context. Life before a Christian didn't care about anyone or anything and was very, very reckless. So you become a Christian and you just think, Lord, I want to just turn away from all that. You know, I want to put others before me. I really want to care about stuff. And so there's a good heart there. You know, and then, you, and then you, know, you just see people do careless things and you want to try and repair it and then it can just go a bit intense and a bit weird. And before you know it, you, you know, <laughs> I better pick up that wrapper or else I've grieved the spirit. I mean, it's weird. That's, you can't live like that. You can, that's unsustainable. It's just weird. So stop it. <laughs> okay? And I'm happy to pray for you. Um, I am. I'm, not, I'm making light of it, but I'm just being honest with you. So you know, I'm not judging. I've been there. And it can, it, can be, it can be the kind of the, the dark side of a Christianity that really wants to know the Holy Spirit. You can get into some funny little traps. And you can be really ashamed to even talk about it. But actually, the Lord actually wants to help us to, um, to, to, not, to not get into that. Does, that. does that help in any way? Yeah. Great. Uh, well, I'm gonna do the, I'll do one more question, then I'll do the next teaching, more Q&A. Guy with the white T-shirt on. Is, is what I'm experiencing the Holy Spirit or not sort of idea? I mean, I would say this, you know, so, so when you, you ask God, what does the Bible say? It, Jesus said to, to a load of people that are listening to him, if your kids ask you for some bread, you're not going to give them a stone. If they ask you for fish, you're not going to give them a snake. Oh, and by the way, even though you're not bad dads, you're all evil. <laughs> so that's the proof text for uh, uh, original sin, you're all evil. Um, how much more... Will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? I genuinely do not think if someone asks God for more of this Holy Spirit um, and, they're, and, they're, and they're, they're kind of doing so in a way that's coming from a sincere heart and out of faith in Jesus, I just cannot see how the devil would ever have any kind of permission to jump in and cut in on that and, 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 and just dupe that person. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And again, I think, you know, have good people around you, have counsel and wisdom, because, you know, sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes, it can be a bit unusual and, and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I do think you've just got to, there is an issue of just saying, God, I've asked you for the Spirit, and now I'm going to believe that this spiritual experience that is going on is your Spirit. Um, uh, so I think you're right. I think trust in, in, in your good and kind Father is a key. So okay. Brilliant. Uh, second teach. How are we doing? Still awake? Still alive? Yeah. All right. Second teaching point. Is the format working? Cool. Second uh, teaching point is this, is that, and, and this, the second teaching point every day will just be more like um, steps to take, or, or a step per day to take that will kind of put you in a good position to know the Holy Spirit better. And uh, this one is, uh, the step is, is, is repent, is, is, is to repent. Um, 
Tom, I'll talk a little bit about, about what repentance is. I think people often don't understand what it is. Um, it's, it's, it involves, first of all, um, realizing that, that, that you're wrong, which is a big deal. How many, like, how many of us like finding out that we're in the wrong? It's not nice. Um, but part of the, the, the foundation of coming to, to, to the Lord is recognizing I'm in the wrong, he's in the right on everything. Like, not I'm in the wrong on everything, but if at anything I'm at odds with him, he's right and I'm wrong. That, 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 that takes some getting used to. Because <laughs> we tend, you know, imagine if you're in a relationship with someone or a friendship with someone and they were always right and you're always wrong. That's not easy. That's going to become a little bit, you know. So there's a humility needed to recognize that, you know, actually, um, yeah, I, I get it wrong. Uh, and, and, and God is right. And, and so there's a submitting to, to his word. That's the first stage. The second stage is really just, uh, I guess, the word I would use is kind of mourning. When, when you come to know God and he, he, in his kindness, reveals things about your life that you just think, ah, that's not good. Right? He does it because he's kind. He does it because sin never leads to life. Always leads to death. So he shows you, not, to make, not just to make you feel bad, but because he wants you to walk away from it. But there is, a, there is part of the process is mourning, where you mourn over it. Where you think, oh, that's an important thing to do. If you're under the impression that God always wants you to be happy, if you know what I mean, in a kind of a really, I don't know how to put it, in a kind of a really kind of um, idealistic way, you will miss out on a substantial relationship with God where there are times to mourn. There are times when you realize what you've done, the consequences of what you've done, and you let the Holy Spirit cut you deep. You let, you let him. You don't just brush it off. You let him. I remember a decision I made as a, as a pastor about uh, six years ago. Made a bad call, bad decision um, in my role as a pastor. And I didn't really see it. And then one day the Lord just showed me. I was out praying and he just showed me it really kindly but very clearly. It wasn't, it wasn't confusing. He's always clear. He's never confusing. The Bible says he's not a God of confusion. He's a God of order. He just really gently just... Sh- and it was like painful. But I, I, let, I, let, I let it get to my soul. Why? Because I thought, Lord, I want you to deal with me on this because I don't want to make the same mistake five years down the line. So there's a mourning. That's okay. That's okay. And then there's a change of thinking that comes out of that. When you've really felt something, you, what happens is you then think differently about it. You think, I'm not going to, I get it now, I'm not going to do that again. The repentance is really a, a, a 180, a U-turn, a change of mind. I no longer think like that anymore. So it's more than just saying sorry and then doing the same thing again. It's where you just say, Lord, you know what? I really, I'm not going to allow you to just deal with me here. Maybe some, I'm, well, I'm sure in a room this size, there will be some of you in here, you are sitting here with things on your conscience. The Holy Spirit's already convicted you. Or even it's just your conscience. You, you just know. And you think, what do I do with this? And, and actually, it's quite counterintuitive because you can think, if I bring that to God, he's so holy, he's just going to destroy me. Well, outside of the work of Jesus on the cross, that's exactly right. That is what would happen. But Jesus took the punishment for your and my sin on the cross. So when we bring it out now, the Bible says we get cleaned. God cleanses and forgives us. So we bring it to him. And through that process of just saying, Lord, I, I, I repent. I, 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 I turn away from this. I bring this to you. Do you know what happens? God draws near by his spirit. God draws near. And he brings that, that forgiveness of Jesus into your heart. And he brings that cleansing. And you just know, I've been cleansed. I remember when I got baptized, I became a Christian at an event like this. And I was 18 years old. And, and it was in August. And in November, I remember I got baptized in the swimming pool, you know, and uh, I remember I shared my testimony and I remember just saying, I just feel this cleansing's gone through me. And it's like there was so much muck. There was so much deep muck. And it was like just the water. The Holy Spirit is represented in the Bible in lots of ways. One of them is water. It's like the Spirit had just been flowing through me, cleaning me out. And it's like, ah, just the lightness of it. When we repent, this, this, it makes a way, it opens a door for the Spirit of God to come and cleanse us and to assure us freshly, we, of, course we, of course we belong to him. And there's two main things we've got to repent of. The first is, is thinking we can save ourselves. Thinking, oh, I'm not that bad, I, I can do it. 
we are that bad, we can't do it. <laughs> okay, we just got to come through on that. Uh, because if, if we don't admit that, then we are, we are pouring scorn on the cross. We're saying, we're saying, Jesus, you didn't need to really do that. You could, there is a way of saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. And yet still kind of thinking you bring something to the table. Still thinking in some way you contribute, you bring something. And that it actually pours scorn, it mocks the work of the cross. Because the work of the cross basically says this, we can't do it, God has done it. God has done it for everything you need to be fully restored and reconciled to God has been done by God on the cross. He's worked our salvation for us. And so the first thing we need to repent of is thinking we can do it alone and sort of trying to, you know, I mean, there's a drowning, can you imagine a drowning person crying out and saying something, I don't know, like saying, save me and and I'm really good with technical stuff and if you do, I'll help you upgrade your computer. It's just weird. It's like, what if you're drowning, you just say help. You just say help. I'm drowning. The Bible represents us as drowning men and women. We just need mercy. So don't try and bring anything to the table. I'm good. I can do, no, just cry out for mercy. And God says yes. Why does God? Why does God shout yes? Because of the cross. Because of the cross. So that's the first thing to repent of is this idea that you, you're not that bad or you can figure it out. No, you can't. Come to come to Jesus at the cross, and God loves that. And the second thing is to is to repent is to, of dark things. To just to, to, you can't turn to the light of the world at the same way that you're turning to the darkness. You just can't do both at the same time. It's impossible. And you might think, well, this contradicts your first point. You just said, I can't do anything. You can't do anything. But if you're going to turn to Jesus, Jesus is the light. You cannot turn, you cannot call out to him for rescue if you're still embracing the darkness. They're in opposite directions. And so to be able to say, do you know what, Lord? I, this, this is the scripture. This is the last scripture I'm going to read. Then we're going to do Q&A. Then we're going to pray for those who want to be prayed for. Listen to what Jesus says. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, talking about himself, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Nasty things grow in the dark. Nasty, nasty things. You ever been out into a the, the field or garden and lifted up a rock and you see what's under there? Nasty things grow and thrive in the dark. Okay? So coming to Jesus is coming to the light. And you're basically saying, do you know what, Jesus? I'm coming to you as the light. Trust him that as I do that, you will shine on me and the result won't be that I'm blasted and condemned, but that I will be received and forgiven and adopted and the, the, darkness will, the darkness will be blasted out, but you'll make me light in you. That's what repentance does. That is what repentance does. Questions? So when, when the Holy Spirit comes on us, are we affected in different ways? Why are we affected in different ways? I think it's probably similar to the point earlier, really, whereby, well, we're different people and God is probably doing different things in our lives and, we re- and some of us respond in, this, in different ways to the same things. What I would, here's what I would encourage you. Do not get caught up on the externals. Do not get... I think people really... I'm not saying you do, but I think people really can get caught up on why didn't I fall over? Or why didn't I shake? Or why didn't I cry? Here's the deal. The, the, what God, where, does, where does God look at? God looks at the, the heart. That's what he's interested in. And I'll tell you now, he's always doing the same stuff in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is always bringing the fruit of, his, of himself into our hearts. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And he's bringing gifts to us. Different gifts according to his will. Now, he has different gifts to, for us. Why? Because... He's a father, and he's, he, he, knows what, he knows what he's doing with us, and he's got a grand plan, and he's got different gifts for each of us that will all work together to make the plan work. It's mysterious. He might not tell us exactly why, but would be wise if we just responded to that. But um, do not get caught up in externals, whatever you do. It is a, it is a, it's secondary. It's so secondary. The Bible does not give any space to it. It's so secondary. Next question. Right, so someone that's just talking about an experience of going through repentance for a couple of weeks but still feeling quite shameful, still feeling quite dirty. What I would say I think is very, very important, this is where having those around you 
who have just been walking with Jesus a bit longer, who are spiritually discerning, can really help you. I think there are many situations which involve a one-on-one conversation with people who are discerning in matters of the soul that can help you. Because it could be any number of things. That's the point. I think sometimes we can feel a certain way, but it can be for any four or five different reasons. So we need people to just draw out what's really going on uh, and help us with that. So my encouragement to you, or someone in your position, I'm sure there's many that can relate in some way to what you're saying, is get some really good youth leader time over New Day. Say, hey, can we grab an hour? And can we talk and explain it, get it out there? Because actually your youth leaders and your elders from your church are the ones that are going to be tracking with you. Once this, once this little event is over. So it's really important that you build really good spiritual relationships with wiser people that can help you. Uh, just on that, because I think, I think that's quite common, and I agree with Steph, obviously, that speaking to people is really helpful. There can be some individual things. But I think also when we go through a process of repentance, especially if it's quite an emotional one, it's actually really important to go, to go, kind of go in and come out the other side. And, and the Bible speaks about repent and believe as the way that we come to know Christ. And that's also, the, I think, part of the process we go through, that there's a repentance for sin, and then it's really important that out the other side of it, we go through a process of believing the gospel and the promises of the gospel, which are to do with God's forgiveness, uh, God's cleansing, um, God's covering us with his righteousness. And so this is on really kind of alongside what Steph was just saying about sometimes it's good to speak with someone else i think if we're in a meeting and we actually feel like yeah i feel guilty or if you're just on your own i'm aware and there's something i need to repent of it's actually quite important that first of all we confess it but then secondly we believe on the back of it we deliberately make a choice to believe what god has said about what happens when we confess that he's faithful and he's just and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness and we kind of as well as stepping into our repentance, we kind of step out of it as well and we step into a place of believing the justification of God, believing the freedom that he brings, believing the forgiveness that he gives so that we step into the goodness of the gospel because otherwise what can happen is emotionally you just stay in that place of I'm repented, I feel a bit miserable about it. Next meeting, next day I've repented again, I still feel a bit miserable about it. Actually what Jesus wants us to do is to walk through that repentance and come out and receive his forgiveness which is why I think partly why Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer just to daily kind of learn to forgive and receive his forgiveness so that we can walk in that forgiveness all through the day really helpful I think also to point out in the Lord's Prayer that it doesn't start with Lord forgive me because if we all started there we might not get any further do you know what I mean so it's really helpful, the Lord's Prayer, because it shows that there's a place for confessing our sins and asking for forgiveness. But actually, even before we get there in the prayer, that we can still delight in our Father's love. It's very, very important. Um, there's, even when you don't think you've, you've sinned, you've sinned. Sometimes you say, I can't come close to God because, you know, I've, I've sinned lately. Well, even when you weren't aware of it, there was things you weren't doing that you should have been doing. The very famous preacher says, I need the blood on me every hour. You know, w- w- another famous preacher says, when you're at your best, you're at your worst. So when you think, oh, I'm flying now, it's like, oh, no, you, you've missed it. It's not about you flying. It's about Jesus. And often when you're at your worst, you're at your best in the sense you're no longer trusting in yourself. You're trusted in him. He is your righteousness. He is your righteousness, which is huge. It's huge. And I think for a lot of Christians think it's their performance. It's not. One or two more questions. Yes. practical tips for looking to be filled with the spirit I mean I would say this I think that as as Christians who love praying for each other and laying on of hands and that we can fall into a into a mindset around the Holy Spirit of always thinking about that encounter that that moment you know and a lot of the questions have been about that whereas I would say that that, that, the Bible definitely talks about that but I would say that the Bible also talks just as much if not more about ongoing relationship with the holy spirit just he comes to indwell us it's not like just as a christian you're looking at having i got zapped there and then i got zapped there it's like no 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 he comes and he will be in you so once the spirit is in you he dwells in you and 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 it's totally appropriate to be looking for him constantly to be filling you freshly but don't always look for it to be how can i describe it a dramatic moment I think, I think you should be looking for the Holy Spirit to fill you as you read your Bible. 
And he's used the spirit of truth. And you're, you're reading the word of, of truth and you're being liberated by the Holy Spirit. I would look for the Holy Spirit to fill you just as much when you're listening to a sermon as you are when you're being prayed for. Just as much. Look for the Holy Spirit to fill you when you're having Christian conversation with other brothers and sisters and you're hearing what God's doing in their life. You think you're feeling encouraged. So I would just say, try to keep it as natural as possible and not, not try to get into a habit of sort of jumping from one dramatic moment to the next. You're looking to develop a, a relationship with the one who's going to live inside of you forever. Um, and so include him in everything. You know, he, he is the one who brings the presence of Jesus to you. So just talk be honest. God loves truthfulness in the in- inward parts. So be truthful, be honest. Just grow and grow and grow in him. And then you can enjoy the dramatic moments without being kind of misled by them and making them everything. Um, I mean, imagine, think about your friendships for a moment. If they were always dramatic, it'd just be a bit tiring, wouldn't it, in the end? You think, oh, blow me. Can't we just chill? <laughs> Do you know, can't we just chat? Can't we just go and get a milkshake? You know, I think we've got to understand that, that God wants a relationship with us. And sometimes life is just kind of pretty normal. Uh, and the Holy Spirit is just as involved in that as he is in the meetings and his other things. So it's a bit of a general comment, but you know, I think don't, don't, don't. We want to have, and we want to, we want to want more of God, absolutely. But I think we can generate a, a wrong kind of intensity that creates, it turns it into something that's kind of um, a bit once, a bit, a bit extreme, unnecessarily extreme, rather than just learning to walk with God in o- obedience, in humility, and thankfulness. In holiness, that's a spirit-filled life. As much as praying for the sick um, and healings and miracles, it's all the spirit-filled life. One more question. This is really helpful. It's, it's, it's quite common for people to be in what we might call a sin-confess, sin-confess cycle, and not not actually know how to break out of it. And um, what I would say on that, without it's, it's probably a seminar to answer it. Do you know what I mean? In, in the sense, it's quite a big question. It's a very important one. And I'm sure there are many of you here that are thinking, that's me. I feel like I'm in just this kind of sing, confess, sing, confess cycle. What you need to do, what I would ask you to do is to, um, is to you need to learn about the grace of God. Because the Bible teaches the way we overcome sin is not fundamentally by willpower, although obviously our will needs to be engaged, but it's by the grace of God. It's by understanding that you are no longer living in the realm where you used to live so you don't have to jump anymore when sin says jump you don't have to why because you've been moved into another realm you're in the realm of grace now it's a different realm so you that, that's why you're used to jumping when sin says jump because you was in that kingdom and, and sin was the boss but you're not actually there anymore in christ you've been moved from that one to you're in a different realm so it's about imagine you're in the army and you've got used to the sergeant major says tension because you're used to it but then suddenly you you leave the army you're then walking out on your way home and you're walking through the army grounds. And as, as you're walking past the sergeant major, he calls out to his troops, attention! What is your instinct? You used to go, Hoot! you've left the army. You don't have to anymore. You're no longer under that authority. You're in a new realm. It's the realm of grace, which means God's favor and power. And so you're not under sin's rule anymore. And so it's, when you realize that, it's like, gosh, so what, I don't have to? No, you don't have to. It's just learning that, and, and as a result, that, that will empower you to break the old habits. You no longer have to jump when sin says jump. But it's just Romans chapter 6 in the Bible, te- this is what it's teaching. If you want to find out about this, look at Romans 6, look at it with your youth leader, with your pastors. Say, there's books called Enjoying the Grace of God. Um, these are really important teaching. It'll help, you, it'll help you break out of that cycle. Because it's a very demoralizing place to be. And you can end up thinking, I, I got into this. I got into this particularly with the sin of um, sexual lust, aged about 14. I just couldn't, just didn't, I didn't know about the grace of God. And I, I just, I knew this was shameful and I knew it was dark, but I just, I, I, was, I felt so tra- entra- entrapped and, uh, under its power. And I just thought, I can't say anything to anyone. Because <laughs> back in those days, people didn't talk as much about that sort of stuff as they do now. And so in the end, I just thought, you know what, I just won't bother with this Christian thing. I, just, I can't do it. And I just retreated. And it wasn't until four years later that Jesus really mercifully came after me and, 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 and taught me um, that there is power over sin through, through, through the grace of God in the Holy Spirit. So it's really important that you, it's great that you're, you know, just facing up to that and talking about that. The grace of God is the answer. Okay, I'm going to hand over to Stu and Livy now. They're going to help us in some sort of response. Great. I mean, should we just say a quick thank you to Steph? There's a, 
There's more, more where that came from tomorrow. This is what I just want to, I guess, make an observation and then lead into a response. The fascinating observation, I guess, is that after Steph did a bit of teaching um, about what the Bible teaches about holiness and, and the Holy Spirit, that I think almost every question without fail was, about, was actually about experiencing the Holy Spirit. And uh, part of Steph's response to that question has been, rightly, I think, to, to help us to understand, be careful that you don't make these kind of dramatic encounters with God the be-all and end-all of what you are understanding about the Holy Spirit. Now, my, I guess my observation is that we have, many of us, I guess, have grown up in a church culture that has probably encouraged that way of thinking. That we, th- when we think, if we were to do one of those kind of word association moments, you know, where I say something and you say the first word that comes to your mind, if we did that on the way in and we said Holy Spirit, what would everyone say? I think a lot of people would would think of like shaking or falling over or dramatic moments in worship or healing or, or we kind of associate the Holy Spirit with the kind of the dramatic, the powerful moments um, of the Christian life. When actually what Steph was teaching right from the very beginning is this, this very basic kind of first level understanding of the Father, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit is the one who's with us and leading us through actually everything that we do as a Christian. And therefore, if we put him in that box, we are massively missing what he wants to do in us. Like Steph said, like having a relationship where, uh, like in a marriage where, you know, you only see your wife once a week, you know. Uh, and you don't actually live together. You just only do, you know, you this one date night a week. It's, like, it's not really marriage, is it? You know, you've, you've missed the point of kind of life together, which is what God wants to invite us into. And uh, this is why I want to make the observation. I'm, I'm only repeating what Steph said, but the reason I want to repeat it is I think it's such a big issue in our thinking that you can listen to you could, you could come to four seminars of teaching about the Holy Spirit. And if your starting point, your kind of fundamental assumption stays that basically the Holy Spirit is about mo- massive moments of encounter and experience. And why have I not got that and someone else has? Or how do I? If that's your, your fundamental assumption, then actually what will probably happen is you will actually miss most of what Steph has to teach because your starting point is the wrong one. A bit like Joel was saying this morning when we were talking about sexuality, you start with who Jesus is, and if you don't get that right, like the crossword puzzle, actually you end up getting everything else wrong. And it can be a bit like that in our understanding of walking with the Holy Spirit. We start with a wrong assumption about who he is and what it means to, to know the Holy Spirit. And because of that wrong assumption at the very beginning, everything else is slightly out of place or we just ignore it because it doesn't answer our most our biggest question is which is how can I really have one of those really dramatic encounters that everyone else seems to have on you know Wednesday nights or Thursday nights at New Day or or whatever it is. So one of the reasons I say that is we I think we're a little bit hesitant to say right let's have a time of really praying for each other because you could easily ignore everything that Steph has said and go oh, right yeah time of praying this is the bit where we get to really encounter the Holy Spirit and actually I think maybe what God wants to teach us today as a kind father is actually sometimes he doesn't give the thing that we want because there's something better that he wants to give us instead and he knows that i know with my kids when they come and say can i have a bubble gum you know i won't necessarily say every time yes because it might be actually i want to give you lunch you know and, and believe it or not lunch is more important to you than bubble gum like but my kids will just come i really i want just bubble gum you know and i say well lunch is over there okay when can i have the bubble gum you know and it's like they've got this thing that they want. And actually, we're, we can be a bit like that. There's this thing I want. And God says, I want to give you a meal. And we're like, no, I want bubblegum, you know. And actually, so we don't want to just lead into something that would kind of actually encourage the wrong thinking that can actually very easily be in all of us. So this is what we want to do instead. I want to encourage you to take away a bit of homework for the next 24 hours. I know that... And loads of you will hopefully be coming back tomorrow and Steph's going to do some more teaching. There'll be some more Q&A. I think God's going to really lead us in a wonderful way through the week to help us get our thinking straight, our experience straight of what it means to walk with God. Uh, Steph's obviously spoken a bit about repentance. I want to encourage you over the next 24 hours to practice repentance. 
to to not just make it a big thing that you do necessarily in a, in a meeting, but to make it part of your life. So if actually you become aware of something you've done that is sinful, wrong, or if you become aware of something that you've believed that is actually a lie and isn't actually true, then I want to encourage you to practice repenting, to start by confessing to before God, God, this is the thing that I've done that is wrong, or this is the thing that I've believed that is wrong. I'm sorry that I've done that. I'm sorry that I've believed that. I confess it. I repent. I turn away from it. And instead, I'm believing or I'm doing this thing instead. That could be something that takes a minute, or it could be something that takes a bit longer if you want to do it and pray with someone else if it's a bigger issue you're trying to work through. But I, want to, I really want to urge you to practice over the next 24 hours. It doesn't have to be a heavy thing. Uh, last night we were in a meeting, uh, a whole load of leaders. And uh, one of my challenges, sometimes I make jokes before I think about whether it's an appropriate setting to make the joke that I'm about to make. A few people resonate with that challenge. Uh, and I made a joke and then I thought afterwards, yep, that was pro- probably one of those times where this wasn't the right setting to make that joke. And then we went straight into a time of worship. Uh, and I had to kind of go through a process internally. It wasn't like a big deal. It wasn't really inappropriate. But I just had to go through a process internally of like, Lord, I, uh, that was inappropriate. I'm sorry. I then just went and said to the person that I'd made the joke at the expense of. Afterwards, I'm sorry if that called any offense. I don't think it did. But it was just an important process, actually, of catching that quickly and dealing with it because I want what comes out of my mouth to be honoring to God because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to work into me. Now, there might be like 10 moments like that for a day. Uh, There might be things that you hear in the teaching through the day or this evening that you realize, do you know what? I've believed something wrong. I need to confess that that's wrong and I I need to make a deliberate decision to repent and then to believe the truth. And actually that process of repentance and believing the truth is what the Holy Spirit wants to teach us and actually will draw us near to God as he works it in us and trains us in it. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to you guys? <laughs> okay. I think, if we, is it literally half past 12 now? 25 past. There's five minutes, which is perfect, because this is what I want to recommend. A whole load of you at this point will probably want to start walking back to your campsites for lunch. What we would like to do is just leave the venue available so that there's a little bit of space. If you just want to sit and take the five minutes to do it now, it might be that something Steph said made you realize, I've believed something wrong. I've kind of put the Holy Spirit in this box that it's all about experiencing something dramatic and actually he wants me to walk with him. I want to repent of that thinking. I want to get right with what God is teaching me here now. You might want to do that now. You might want to do it as you're walking back. It's definitely would be best to do it sooner rather than later because the day tends to kind of run away a little bit and you forget what's been going on and what God's been doing in you. You might just want to go and sit out on the grass for a couple of minutes. You might want to walk home with a friend and talk with them about it. But I would love to, we're going to finish five minutes early so that you've got this five minute window uh, to start that process, kickstart it so that it actually becomes part of who we are together and we're trusting that God's going to just keep teaching us things like this as we go through this week. Amen? Amen. Amen.